podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the penultimate AI Premier League preview pod of the season. Yes, flown by and uh, let's face it, the Reds are in the Champions League final, just 90 minutes away, hopefully, (laughs) from European glory. We can't avoid that. We will not be avoiding that, of course, but there's still business to be done in the Premier League. Um, And and like Klopp's professional sort of post-match press conferences, we've got to focus on that as well. Um, Facing Chelsea this Sunday, of course, with the chance to seal qualification for next year's tournament, obviously, can do that via winning the thing. That would be ideal. Um, but, of course, we need to be focusing on the Premier League as well. Um, joining me on this week's pod are AI writer Sam Evans and fresh from the Stadio Olimpico, um, it's a very tired co-host of the Desi pod, Harinda Singh. Welcome, guys. Hello, Harry. Hi, Harry. How's it going, mate? It's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the whiskey tonight. It's, it's, it's changed to Diet Cokes for the moment, but... Um, yeah, last night, last night on that post-match Raw pod, I was absolutely, absolutely euphoric and, um, Harinda, I'm, I'm sure was, uh, <laughs> in a much more excitable it state. As if someone was pouring the drink right in front of me on the aeroplane because I could hear the clinking. Yeah, did it really? I, was like, I looked around like, oh, they're serving drinks. Like, oh, no, they're not. It's just the pod. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad that had the desired effect then. Yeah. Cause I just, I mean, if you can't, if you can't open up a bottle after a game like that and you won't, when are you going to? So, um, I mean, guys, yeah, I was I was on the Pepsi's. <laughs> you were on the Pepsi's, yeah. That's probably a sensible, <laughs> probably a sensible route. Um, as you'll notice, if, I'm sure, listener, you'll notice that there's not a Chelsea fan on this pod uh, for this week's show. Um, I actually got a few DMs from certain Chelsea fans who we usually speak to as well, saying that why would I want to come onto this pod <laughs> and, and talk to you guys after sort of the euphoria you're going to be in and and how our season's gone. So, um, I wanted to start a little bit with Chelsea, I guess, before we go straight into indulging all the glory that is sort of last night and then the remainder of the season. But just to get you, your guys' opinions, I guess, as um, all of us as, as Liverpool fans looking from the outside in. But, um, you know, it's a weird season for you know, last year's title winners, unable to replicate that consistency of performances that, you know, that we'd seen uh, during the campaign. Obviously, now with the European fixtures as well, plenty of people predicted that. Um, Conte seems almost certain to leave at, at the end of this end of the season. Um, and the club are you know, looking like they're going to miss out on Champions League football. Um, really, everything seems to be riding on this this one game against uh, uh, Jose Mourinho's um, uh, Manchester United, of course, in the FA Cup final. Um, just to start off, guys, and I mean, uh, Sam, bring you in first. I mean, Chelsea's performance this season is it really? I guess, with hindsight, to be to have been expected. You know, given look at the squad size, look at the transfers they brought in, um, the increased number of fixtures. Was this always going to happen? They're, they're a really strange side. They, they seem to be developing this pattern now where they're either brilliant or, or distinctly average. And, you know, I, I don't think they've been that bad in the end this season. It's just the top six is really, really competitive at the moment. And I think a lot of it swung on the whole Diego Costa situation. I don't know what the heck happened there, but obviously there was big fallings out in the back room and, you know, the whole Conte situation, it seems it's, it's not just the results that's the problem. There, there's some sort of falling out there. There's arguments between him and the owners. Maybe I'm not 100% sure. But the, the biggest thing that surprised me was 
after they'd absolutely pissed the league, they've ended up buying distinctly average English players to, to bring into their midfield, you know, Barkley drink water. I don't, I don't know how they've ended up at Chelsea, to be honest with you. So I think when they're signing players like that, that's the kind of signings we were making when we had Hodgson in charge, you know, which is just baffling for a team like Chelsea with the amount of money that they've got, but they're buying players of, of that standard. So I think when you saw the players they were buying, the writing was on the wall a bit, especially with the improvement that the other teams have made in the league. So it's it's one of those things that they seem to be up and down every season. And as you said, you, you fully expect Conte to be leaving at the end of the season, even if he pulls off a miracle now and, and gets top four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he does seem to have been signalling for that um, for a while, whether it's just been a case of him sort of wanting that bonus that he's probably entitled to if he does get sacked or whatever. I'm sure it's going to be something along those lines. I mean, Harinda, what do you make of it as well? I mean, are, are Chelsea sort of descending into this sort of cyclical um, nature now? I mean, quite a lot of those players that we're seeing in that squad still are the same ones that, of course, we knew um, you had that disastrous season under Mourinho where they more or less just gave up. Do you think there's... Um, yeah, do, do, do you think the squad in itself has come to the end of its life cycle a little bit in terms of your players going to be moving on? Um, a lot of work to be done there. Um, I believe so. I mean, look, defensively, they've they've got a problem, right? They got rid of John Terry. What they called Anti, uh, was it Antonio Rudiger? Yeah. Um, Asbel has been there for time. It's at least four or five seasons he's been there. Moses has been in and out of that squad. David Luiz is um, there, but just doesn't play. <laughs> Cahill is there. <laughs> yeah, a very good point. Um, they bought in the likes of Zappa, Costa and Co. And Christensen's been moved up to play in a starting berth. But it it just doesn't seem right. You know, ever since, it hasn't been right from the beginning. I remember when Burnley went there, and obviously the Chelsea had players sent off. Burnley recorded their first ever away win, I think, in Chelsea, and God knows how many to their history, probably for their first time. And it's just been a rocky, rocky ship for them. Even in the Champions League. Because I remember when, and this is the only time I ever really took notice of Roma, and yeah. I will speak about Roma later, was when um, they played Chelsea. You know, open, expansive football, really attacking, really aggressive. And, you know, it was going end to end. And you could see the best and worst of Chelsea literally right in front of you. But similarly, you could see the best and worst of Roma as well. Now, respective to where Chelsea are and where they wanted to go, you could see what they were trying to do. So that instead of getting um, Giroud in the January transfer, they were desperate to get Dzeko. Desperate to get Dzeko. And you can kind of see why as a secondary option. And also somebody who'd be much more... Involved in play, yeah, especially when yeah, you watch him target. in those two ties that we faced him. It was impressive. Indeed, uh, and they spent all that money on Maratta. Yeah, and this whole thing about Maratta and United and Maratta and Chelsea, Maratta United, Maratta, and they ended up going to Chelsea. And you probably think, you know what, Maratta going to Chelsea made a lot of sense. And at Chelsea, what's happened? You, you do feel desperately sorry for a striker that you think that should be really, really good, absolutely mustard nine out of ten player just hasn't happened for him and to that regard I feel sorry for Conte I genuinely do good foot good football manager good guy unfortunately just at a very shitty plastic club yeah I guess that that, that leads on uh leads us on really nicely to our next point really then Sam I mean 
has Conte really done that badly? But I guess you can ask that question of numerous Chelsea managers over the years. There are some exceptions, obviously, in terms of people doing doing badly for periods of time. But um, you know, very often we see whenever things start to slide, um, pe- people often lose their jobs far quicker than perhaps they should do. Um, but it seems to have worked for Chelsea. Um, on this occasion, do you think it's any different? I mean, you, you heard Horinda there saying that he doesn't think Conte's done that badly. He's, he's been dealt a bad hand. Um are Chelsea right to be looking somewhere else so soon, or is it just really just all they know? I'm not sure whether he's looking somewhere else more than them. I don't know. It seems to be a bit of a strange situation that there's more to it than we're actually aware of, I think. But regards to how well he's done this season, it's not been horrific. You know, when Mourinho had his stinker, wasn't he? Eight or something, you know, he, he was he was nowhere near getting to the Champions League spots. Um, I think it's just the case of Chelsea have this model where it's success or sack. It, it's a bit like the the Real Madrid type of model where it's it's chuck a load of money at it, get the get the success. If it doesn't work, bomb the guy out, get a new guy in. It, there's no patience at all in it. Um, which, you know, if, if Klopp had a similar season for whatever reason, things can go wrong in a season and, and we, we ended up coming fifth or whatever and, and not, didn't have this Champions League run. There's no way we'd be sacking Klopp. We'd, we'd be giving him another season to give him a chance because we can see what he's done previously. You know, the guy won the league last season and they're, they're talking like he's completely lost it, but it, it seems to be more to do with the, relationships and the actual attitudes of the players and things at the moment. There seems to be something going on in the background that's affecting their performances on the pitch. And when it's so, so competitive in the top six, you just can't afford to have that kind of animosity and and falling out behind the scenes because the other teams will just pull away. So, you know, that's what's happened so far. Obviously, this game at the weekend is absolutely vital to decide his future. Uh, because, you know, if they if they don't get a win this weekend, then that's nailed on that they're not Champions League. And then you might see an announcement being made. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with her in that, that people have got a tendency now of blowing things massively out of proportion in, in such a competitive top six. There's always going to be two teams in crisis now. That's just how it is. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. Two of the six is always going to be in crisis. And this year, it seems to be Chelsea and Arsenal's turn. Absolutely. And um, I think you're right to sort of, sort of focus on certain players there. And then there's been a great deal of agitation from, from a certain, certain few players. And you do wonder how many of them are still going to be there next season, especially some sort of the key figures. I mean, Courtois seemingly has been after a move for a while, seems to be unhappy, not really settled that well. Um People are already sort of linking Morata with a move away, even after coming so so recently into the side. And the big one, of course, is um, is Eden Hazard. He's been there for a number of years now. Um, clearly, an incredibly talented player. I don't think he's ever really achieved the full potential. Perhaps he does need to move away to do that. Um, so, what I want to ask you, Harinder, then is: Do you think his time at Chelsea is is reaching an end? And um, if so, I mean, where? Where, where do you expect him to move in? And, and, and do you think that he's actually, um, it, it's, it's, it's the right decision to move for him if he, if he is to try and realise this, this talent that people have said he's, he's possessed for, for such a long, uh, long uh, amount of time now? 
Uh, he's definitely a talented player. He makes mincemeat of our defence at times. Oh, yeah. um, and over the last few seasons, whenever he has, uh, I've been very particularly... Well, I'm usually unforgiving of him anyway. I'm usually forget- unforgiving of most Chelsea <laughs> players, to be honest. Just, <laughs> no, there's no hiding my bias on that front. But in respect to Morata and where he'll go in the future, I- I'm not too sure. You look, you look at clubs in Europe that have a serious rebuilding job to do and have an ageing profile of players, then Real Madrid seems an obvious choice, right? Because they're not at the same heights as Barcelona in their domestic league. Champions League aside, even then, they, they, a lot of their deficiencies were exposed. I hope we exposed them more in a few weeks' time and exposed them to the point by we make Ronaldo cry so I can laugh at him like I laughed at John Terry so many years ago. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I do think that's kind of where Morata is heading. I don't see him going to Barcelona. I I just oh, no, it's Hazard, sorry, sorry, Hazard, right? Yeah, Eden Hazard, sorry. Yeah, 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 Eden Hazard. I don't see him going to Barcelona, so I, I think the likes of Real Madrid. Or, do you know what, if he just wants a payday and he wants to have a nice, easy life, PSG? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that may seem very, very cliche in regards to the thinking of an average footballer these days. But you're Eden Hazard, you've been at Chelsea for the last four or five seasons, you've, you've won the league a few times, or at least once, sorry. Um, where else are you going to go? You could go domestically to Manchester City if you want to maintain your wages, or you're going to go abroad and if you want to increase your wages or maintain that kind of money and you want an easy lifestyle, then probably PSG. You're still going to play in the Champions League. You might not win it, mm. but it, it depends where his personal aspirations lie, right, in that perspective. He was an right, absolute, yeah. absolute tool when it came to leaving his previous club with the whole nonsense about, I'm going to be joining a team in blue. You know, whether it was going to be City or Chelsea and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, just, there's no need for these kind of games and shenanigans. Just be straightforward where you're going. You owe it to your current team and your fan that you had there rather than these stupid games that you're playing. Um, I don't think he'll do the same thing again, but I don't think he's going to be at Chelsea next season. I think that's going to be the case for quite a few players there. Yeah, it could be great if he tries sort of another sort of social media tactic in terms of the, the big reveal of what, of, of where he's actually moving. I think. Wasn't it last time that he said, "I'm joining the team that's that's won the Champions League" or or, or whatever, something like that? So he's, he's definitely not coming to us. But uh, Sam, in 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 terms of Hazard, I mean, it's it's often weird to look at players, especially from like teams like Chelsea, and you think about you know what would be best for them. You know, we don't necessarily care, but of course, in terms of Hazard and realizing that talent that he does have, I mean, he's won PFA Player of the Year, and he's won um, you know, individual awards. He's won the league. Um, to really cement himself and, and do what I think Mourinho always said about him, um, you would think he has to go to one of the biggest sides in Europe and then um, do you think they have to build around him or, or do you think he can stand out on his own? Re- regards to Hazard, you know, I think Harinder's spot on there regards to his his ego. I think he he does want it to be a bit about him. So I'd imagine he'd be he'd want to go to the biggest name club. So I'd, I'd have thought he'd really fancy Real Madrid, but I'm not 100% sure whether Real Madrid actually fancy him. I don't know. Does he really want to be a big fish in a small pond you know, with a smaller team than that? I, I don't know. I think he does need another challenge now. Zidane's a big fan, a... apparently, but uh, will, will Zidane he, be there? <laughs> is... Yeah, well, that's it. See, you know, they're... He'd be going to a club that's has run with a similar type of model, where it's instant success or you're gone type of attitude. You know, where, where Liverpool now, we've got a lot of players this season who have started to come through, and like Carriers, for instance, where it takes time 
you know, Rob, Robbo didn't get a sniff for Liverpool for six months. You know, is is there's players you need to have patience with some players and let them develop. Whereas those sides, they don't give you time. They they'll only buy the finished product if you turn up and you're not the finished product. They're not going to wait for you to actually develop on their on their watch. They're going to bomb you out and send you somewhere else. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that. I'd imagine he's he's going to be going for a big money move. It's just a case of whether the teams think that because he's going to be a lot of money. That's the thing as well. And I don't know whether his 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 goals and assists levels are high enough at the moment to to warrant the hundred plus million or whatever that's probably going to take to get the guy. So he he might end up having to compromise on the club he goes to. And I think PSG's a shout because they 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 wouldn't mind chucking money at it if they want the guy. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I think he probably will move just because it has gone a bit stale. But he might become an unsellable asset if he gets priced out of the game. Absolutely, I mean, but I mean PSG obviously have huge amounts of money, but I think they're going to have to spend huge amounts of money soon, aren't they? In terms of they they owe lots of money for Mbappe. <laughs> I think I think Neymar's going to leave them, so perhaps they'll. They might get a few for that, but um, yeah, very strange club. I mean, just before we actually come on to talking about what we expect from them this weekend a little bit, I mean, one of the last things I wanted to talk about with Chelsea, really, before we go on to Liverpool as well, is you know, this decision that they made, um, obviously, to sell De Bruyne and Salah. Um, and then you think about this season, think about how phenomenally those two players have performed in the league, um, two huge talents um, who blossomed since then. You had to work for it, but they have blossomed since. Um I sort of know where, where where I'm leading you with this question, Harinda, but um, have Chelsea learned any lessons since then, in your opinion? And uh, do you think their model, um, you know, the model that we've been talking about, instant success, sacking, um, you know, buying all these star players, you've seen the recruitment started to wane, maybe the finances aren't quite what they used to be, aren't quite there. If they don't qualify for the Champions League, it's another big blow to their finances, of course. Um, do you think that model is as viable as it once was? Ask Watford's owners, because Chelsea are just doing what Watford do. True, yeah. It it really is quite stark, right? Like when you look at Chelsea and this whole thing about you know, oh, yeah, you didn't succeed. Drop, we'll sack you. Let's get the next one. And you haven't succeeded, right? We'll sack you. Let's get the next one in. What's up, Andy? Been doing the same, but Watford. So where's the difference? Yeah, it's it's a stark thing to think about. Watford do the same. So yeah. Chelsea have almost turned themselves into Watford in that sense, or Watford mo- marked remarkably modelled themselves on Chelsea. But you look at what they used to do. You know, this is not something new for Chelsea in regards to if you go from the uh, even just before the takeover period, they used to go and Hoover everybody up. Yeah, they took in Lampard, that turned to be a success. They took in Steve Sidwell, well, we all know what happened there. That was absolutely shit. Um, there, there was a few others over the years, Scott Sinclair, so many others. Sean you know, Wright Phillips, just, wow. Absolutely, Sean Wright Phillips is a great example. Yeah, well, they just take him in and nothing really happens and off you get moved, and you get moved on. It's like as if they wanted to hold those players so nobody else could have them, you know? And that just feeds Mourinho's ego. Like yeah, you can just Mohammed see the thing as well, wasn't it, Harinda? Absolutely, <laughs> totally. You know where he goes, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I, it wasn't my decision to set him. No, of course not. Absolutely not, Mourinho. We believe you not. They also have this massive loan thing as well, right? You know, like, we, we, let's not hide that fact in regards to 
Chelsea having so many players on their books and going out on loan. This magical loan system um, that they've been utilising over the years. And a lot of those loan players don't come back. Yeah, you, know? but... you look at Tammy Abraham currently. Mm. You sit there and think, what's going to happen to you? Kurt Zuma, what's going to happen to you? And I feel sorry for I think Kurt Zuma's an accomplished defender. He's actually a pretty good defender. But he's just wasted at fucking Stoke, right? <laughs> that poor fella. And um, I remember a few seasons ago, Kurt Zuma absolutely being the difference between us progressing uh, in the League Cup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd happily have him. Yeah, this is going back to Rogers in this last season with us. Yeah, it's like a 14-15 season going towards 15-16. But you're just like, oh, this is a good player. He's not useless. He's actually pretty damn good. But now rotting. Rotting is the only real word when you get sent to Stoke, unfortunately, and having that experience <laughs> of Mark Hughes for a while, and then it turning to being the experience with Paul Lambert. I don't know which one's worse, but both seem to be a punishment of sorts. Oh, going to Stoke seems to be a punishment of sorts anyway. So, yeah. Sorry, Stoke listeners. Poor Joe um, yeah. yeah, poor wee Joe and his chickens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- their model, I don't think, is viable anymore. I think this season shows it more than any other. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I, I think it was the transfers, wasn't it? I mean, because I think you're right to sort of draw the similarities between them and... Uh, and Watford's owners in terms of how they've been approaching the the managerial sort of appointments and, and sackings, but it was the ability to go out there and pay big money and get those players in, as you mentioned, Hoover up talent as well. And now they're no longer the big fish, really, in terms of they can be at- especially when the especially when the big boss is going through a divorce as well, right? Yeah, really yeah, there is that as well, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> um, His money's going elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, Sam, just to talk about sort of then. Um, what sort of game we're expecting from Chelsea this weekend. I mean, despite all the sort of um, the gloom that we can pour on in terms of sort of there are problems there for sure, and there have been problems this season, inconsistencies this, this, this season. Um, we know Conte's a tactically astute coach. We know, I think, from that Anfield encounter with them that you know, when Hazard's on it, for example, uh, and Kante's there, and he's combative in midfield, um, they really can be a handful. I thought Hazard embarrassed uh, Milner and Henderson earlier in the season. That was before both of them actually have come on leaps and bounds since then. Um, but it, it was a, it was a tough game to watch. I mean, what what sort of game are you expecting from them? Because they have to come out, they have to win the game really. Um, and uh, you know, of course, coming out against us uh, with with the pace that we do have, um, it's it's never in anyone's best interest, is it? Yeah, I feel like Chelsea have had a little bit of a mini revival recently. They're they're starting to pick up results in, in really tight games. And I, I think they've just thought it, it's now or never, really. And they've just gone for one last hurrah to try and get into the top four. So I, I think they're going to try and capitalise on Liverpool being distracted with other things. You know, obviously, we've had a hell of a hell of a tough game last night. So they're going to be hoping to capitalise on maybe a bit of fatigue in the uh, in the Liverpool players' legs. So I'm expecting a tough game against them. We, we've struggled a bit against Chelsea in recent times. Uh, even when we're on top, they seem to nick a draw. Um, in this match, obviously a draw would be totally fine for us. So I'd, I'd take that now. But I'm expecting us to to really go for it mate and I, I think there's, there's no excuse but to go for full side absolutely going for it again and try and capitalise on the, the feel good factor at the club rather than 
what they're going to be trying to do is is attack the negatives from us playing in the Champions League and that we're distracted. Well, why don't we just get on the the crest of the wave and just just go for it against them, beat the guys, and then just put that to bed, and then we exactly. can just completely concentrate on on the Champions League final and and just have one goal for the rest of the season. No, I completely agree. I mean, it, it, it's always difficult, though. I think after you. Yeah, you have such an achievement where you qualify for, I mean, qualify, but you, you reach the final of a competition like, like this. You, your minds aren't always going to be elsewhere. I mean, Harinda, how much of an issue do you think that, do you think that's going to be? I mean, obviously we, we, we've got a four day turnaround here in terms of rest. Um, lots of those players really worked hard last night. Um, you, you, we saw that at the end, plenty of them exhausted, but mentally as well, uh, you know, being able to refocus themselves, I'm sure Klopp's going to be adamant about sort of you know, making sure that he tries to get them to focus as much as possible. Perhaps it helps us that it's a big game against a side like Chelsea. I mean, how do you expect us to approach it? Do you think it's, we're going to just go for it and then, yeah, if we don't get three points, we'll settle with a draw, which is all we need, but we can't really play for a draw, can we? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we can play for a draw. And I think... If they need motivation, it's rather simplistic in the mathematics of it all. Chelsea are on 66 points with three matches to play. We're on 72 points with two matches to play. We draw, it becomes mathematically very difficult due to the goal difference between us and Chelsea for Chelsea to become fourth. So you could afford to draw and take it and carry on. You win and it's done. It's done. You know what? You are going to be in the top four if you win. That's it. They wanted any more motivation than that, then I think they need to check their chakras in regards to what makes them wake up in the morning to be a footballer as Liverpool. Because if they win, it's done. You are in the top four. You will be playing Champions League football again, guaranteed, next year. Guaranteed. Then it's a pie. Literally, it's a pie from now until the Champions League final. We'll go to the Bryan match and Everyone's just going to be looking forward to the, the parade post the match. You know, like literally where they do a lap of honour, taking all the applause, taking all the cheering. Because believe you me, come 5pm on Sunday, nobody's going to be leaving Anfield for ages. All you're going to want to do is sit there, soak it up, cheer the team on, give them a real big boost. Because that's the last time we're going to see them before we go to Kiev. And... I hate Chelsea. I, I think, you know, if I never have done these previews with you, there's no hiding it. There's no, no denying of it. I don't like my neighbours very much. I doubt they like me. They always seem to want to race. I don't know what it is with some of the guys. Rudiger especially always wants to race cars on Portsmouth Road. And I'm thinking, look, man, I'm, I'm a 41-year-old adult. I've got two children. You've probably got children too. I don't need to do this. I don't need to prove anything to you piss off <laughs> but I kind of feel like that with most Chelsea players to be honest <laughs> some some of their fan base is nice some of their fan base is absolute tossers uh, you know I'm not saying that every fan base in the world has got um, the worst fans and Chelsea are, are no different in that you know they've got some real absolute dipsticks that follow them and then they've got some really gems of people and you said anything why do you follow this club this club would not follow you back um, all that aside, all that aside, we've been to Stamford Bridge now. When last time round, we made what's his face Gruich sit on the bench aghast <laughs> because of Henderson's goal 
Even Dejan got a black eye and a goal in that one, or he got a black eye previously and he scored a goal. <laughs> Don't care how which way it was ran, but Lovren got a goal at the Stamford Bridge. The year before that, we dicked him. We absolutely dicked them. And the whole thing happened between him and his doctor and physio, whatever she is, um, between Jose and uh, the bench at that point in time. And you're like going, do you know what? Make them self-explode. Make them combust. Make them cry. Make them whinge. Make them sit there and think, what the fuck are we doing? Spending all this money and going nowhere fast. I would love that. Absolutely. I would love Liverpool to just go there, do their business and claim three points and finish it. Just finish it. Because you deserve Liverpool to have an absolute ball of a time when it comes to playing Brighton. So it can give you such a fantastic send-off prior to this Champions League final. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be, it, it would certainly be a party. Um, also, I think it would just be really funny as well, because isn't, isn't the last game of the season the one where we usually debut next season's kit? And it, it's seen as a big marketing opportunity and things like that. So I, I do like the idea of it just being a bunch of kids wearing, <laughs> wearing the kit. Um, and, and then the first <laughs> team... their collars. Exactly, the first team only coming out for the lap of honour afterwards. <laughs> I think that could be great. But um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, there shouldn't be any need for us to, to sort of be lacking motivation for this. It's a clear, it's pretty clear what the task is. It's the Liverpool segment now, you know, club side making more European history for the Reds, you know, clawing our way in the end through to that Champions League final. Um, it might have ended 7-6, but I thought that scoreline heavily flattered them, really. There's some really soft penalties there. Plenty of things didn't go our way as well. Um, and, you know, now we find ourselves... 90 minutes away against you know, Real Madrid, who seem to uh, be pretty uh, you know, pretty common uh, attendees of this Champions League final, let's face it. And, and of course, they've been winning it. They're incredibly experienced in this stage. Um, but yeah, it's hugely, hugely exciting, hugely inspiring, I think, for the fans, for the young players, for everyone who's involved. Um, Harinda, just to come to you, I mean, obviously, as somebody who was lucky enough to be at the game last night, um, tell us what that experience was like then. I mean, I'm sure you could go on for for a long time, but I mean, just just what was the experience God. like? I'll tell you one thing. Going there was filled with lots of people saying, "Be careful, be this, be that." Everything, yeah, and understandable too, given the um what happened the previous week and with Sean Cox and clearly every pod, every channel out there, every outlet, be it ourselves, be it any other group that does podcasts or anything to do with Liverpool. Yeah. I said the same thing. Everyone wants Sean Cox to get better and get well soon. Yeah. Yeah, it go, it's almost goes without saying now. And that was a big thing, mm. you know. So starting from the back, so starting from the end of the match, seeing the players of the banner, that literally was a massive boost for everybody. But just seeing how much recognition was there for Sean is, imagine you're his family and you're seeing that. You know, what a boost. And imagine when you're Sean and you wake up and you see how much... Liverpool has considered how he's what he's going through. Yeah, that would help me recover. Yeah, that would give me a massive boost. So I, I'm hoping and praying daily that Sean Cox gets well soon. The match, the match was whatever it was going to be. Right, it was almost a joke. As soon as we scored the first goal, I was laughing. It was I was absolutely delirious, and I remember saying to a few partners in crime around me that we're standing on these seats right now. I go. As soon as we score, jump down. Trust me, don't stay standing. 
would I do like a dipstick? I stood standing. I nearly went three rows forward, five rows sideways, and all this kind of stuff. But luckily, I managed to hold on to the person in front of me when the first goal went in. When the second goal went in, not ours, theirs, which we scored for them due to an absolute... This is an accident. Let's call it what it was, right? An accident, <laughs> accident. I don't think Loris Karras meant to kick the ball in Milner's head so that it rebounded into the goal. I don't think any goalkeeper really wanted to do that. It wasn't Karras, yeah. you know. It, it, was, it, it was actually Dejan. <laughs> Was it Dejan? Yeah, it was. See, this is how much... I'm not seeing the replay. I actually thought Carrie's kicked it in his no, head. Um, bless him. Poor Dejan. But, you know, when you see all these things happen, it's just an accident, right? It wasn't deliberate. Oh, it, shit happens in a match, and this is one of the things that you sit there and you laugh at. Um, and they they got so excited. The Roman people were so animated. that So when Ginny Wijnaldum scored, I couldn't stop laughing. I could not stop laughing, you know, let alone the dancing and the jigs that were going around all around me. I just could not stop laughing because I sat there and thought, do you know what? You were so pumped up. You were so full of yourselves by getting one goal. Your players hadn't really reached that one goal either because they sat there and thought they still got a mammoth task here of trying to score so many more. But now that we've scored that another one, you know, you guys are fucked. And that was my overriding thought, you know. The entrance to the match, though, I think Tony Barrett has tweeted about, that was hard. So Liverpool fans were, you know what? Have you heard of any problems? I've not. Have you heard of any issues Liverpool fans caused? I've not. Nope. So all this hype prior... Especially with those like, thousands of troublemakers going, who were on their yeah, way. Yeah, especially, exactly. That narrative is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And it was proven by a great statistic which said that there had been zero arrests in Europe this season of Liverpool fans. Zero. It remains zero as far as I'm aware. So our, our behavior was impeccable. But you only have three turnstiles to go through. Three. Those turnstiles, before you get to them, your ID is checked. Your ticket is checked to make sure the name and ID match. Three people are doing that. Three. For 5,000 fans. Three people. Crazy. You then go through another set of turnstiles. Where if the electronic turnstile decides to read your barcode, you're lucky. Otherwise, you've got to turn and twist and fold your ticket to make it read the other barcode. And then you've got to try again and again and again. And this machine was causing such a backlog. I tell you, it's fucking ridiculous. And once you got through them, you then had a double pat down. So you had one security pat down and someone checking your ticket and another security pat down. And guess what? check your ticket so by the time you've done all this even before you've got into the ground you've been checked five or six times it's including getting on the coach and on top of all of that you've had the security pat down stuff so it's an hour and a bit just in that an hour hour and a half just in that almost and it's hot it's humid people are thirsty they're gonna get dehydrated and there was similar situation on the way out of the ground after being held in you know it's painful it's painful. I'm not going to labour too much of a point on it. The great thing is, is that we got the result. Everybody is safe in in regards to the organisational elements. I think Liverpool did what they could do as a club. Yeah. I think Roma tried to do as much as they could do. Some things could have been much better than from Roma's organisational elements. Yeah. But the one thing that Roma was fantastic at was the fact that when they got the three-two, and they, when they, you could just see it in Nangalan's face, right. He didn't even want to celebrate. Oh, yeah, look, I scored a great goal. It's a bit of a fluke. I wasn't expecting this to come to me. I smacked it one. It's clipped the post and gone in. Oh, what do you fucking do? It doesn't mean a thing. And we knew it too. Every Liverpool fan looked at that and laughed again and said, we know this too. Yeah, I really and enjoyed that. Because watching it from TV. I, I tell you what. Sometimes you get, I can't, you get a little I bit anxious. I cannot wait now. 
exactly. So, you know what, 3-2, you're like going, all right, this is a bit shit. Penalty happens and you're like going, for fuck's sake, look, we're not expecting this to be that this dramatic. I know people want drama in a semi-final. This is over drama. This is like melodrama that we just don't need to go towards. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to whistle to blow, to be fair, at that point in time. Um, a massive shout out to a little kid called Oliver, who I took the photo on, which is doing the rounds on social media, which seems to blown my Twitter up. But is that your photo? God knows what. Yeah, 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 I took the photo of that yeah. kid. Um, but God knows what it's done to his mum and dad and their social media, because I think his dad messaged me like, going, he goes, my phone has been nonstop ever since this photo has gone out. And then obviously the echo put it out there. But his name is Oliver McGrady. So that's much I found out. Yesterday, when trying to show him the photo, I forgot to ask him his name or anything like that. I just said, look, mate, you can be a legend for the rest of your life. This is you on the echo, you know? And what a story. What a story. You're a 10-year-old kid, if that, and you have literally just won the internet and you have won the day because you you, you basically represented every single fan who just wanted to be just as passionate and so to Roma that, you know, they can sing, we can sing louder. They can bring it, we can bring it better. Mm. And to have silenced their fans for a period of time in their home ground is something that we've been doing all season long. We have been going from Spartak, Sevilla, Maribor, City, Porto, you name it. We've silenced their fans again and again. And I cannot wait to do it to the Madrid fans in oh, Kiev. Yeah, they, they, they don't know what's coming. I mean, Sam, just to bring you in, obviously, you and I had to watch it, you know, watched it from, uh, you know, I, I was in a packed bar, but, you know, Watching it on TV, uh, it's, a, it's a very different sort of um, of sort of spectacle, and uh, I want to gauge what your reaction was to the game as a whole and, and the experience of that as well. But also, I'm um, just conscious of you having to um, to maybe head off soon as well. I mean, j- just to, just to throw a, a tiny bit of analysis into there, it almost feels reductive to do that because it be- became such a crazy game. But um, the one point I did want to labour on was I thought Sadio Mane, who you know, took criticism earlier in the season for you know, struggling for rhythm, I think, really, and, and, and having a bit of poor form. Um, you look at the way in which he's picked up himself you know, throughout the season, and you know, are we now reaping the benefits uh, as he's hitting form at the perfect time? Coming back from an injury, what did you make of his performance last night? And, and again, what did you make of the game as a whole? I, I touched on this a little bit, actually, in the uh, post-match pod with Guy yesterday. And personally, I think all of the talk about Mane's poor form this season was a bit of a red herring. I think he was a lot better than people were giving him credit for. And I think a lot of it was skewed by the absolutely insane form of Firmino and Salah. So, you know, perspective-wise, people were thinking, because he was so key to us last season, that this season he hasn't shone as much, but that's purely because the other two have been so bloody good. Now, I think Mane has actually been better this season, and I think the stats actually back it up as well. And, you know, last last night, he had a nice break on the weekend. They said he had a bit of a bit of a knock or a little injury, so they were they, they rested him for the Stoke game. And I think that really, really showed just that little few days extra break, and he seemed to have a lot more life in his legs than both Firmino and Salah. You know, I don't know whether that was just due to the fact that they tried to mark Salah out of the game, which made a bit more space for him or or what. But I thought he was our best player yesterday. And, you know, he has actually been a vital part of this Liverpool team this season as well. I think a lot of people are, are playing down his role in this side. And I think without him, the other two guys really don't have the chance to shine just as much as they have so far. 
uh, regards to the game itself, <clears throat> I didn't actually mention this yesterday, but during the game, when Nyngelen scored that goal, I don't know why I had a bit of a flashback of that Vladimir Smitsa goal at uh, in the <laughs> final in Istanbul. Get off the post, I don't know yeah. why, <laughs> just the same kind of area that he shot the ball from. And then they had a penalty as well to follow it up, which obviously happened as well in Istanbul. The only thing they didn't have was a Stevie G head uh, before that to actually make those goals matter. But uh, it was it was kind of I had that little brief panic because I just thought, oh my god, it's it's the gods making it happen again, like it did for us, you know. So I had a, a little worry, but the the fact that we managed to keep it to 2-2 at the absolute worst that long meant that I was reasonably calm even after Nangalan banged that one in. You know, as as Harinder said, no, he he barely even celebrated because he just looked at the clock and thought, ah, it's not enough time, which which surprised me a bit because there was still five minutes or so left, you know, and mm. didn't know much injury time. So I was a bit shocked with his reaction i thought he'd have been you know get the ball run it back and, and try and get something quickly but i was I delighted by I th- it i really have to admit it, it completely calmed, yeah. it, it calmed me down <laughs> yeah the fact that he'd given up apparently was was bizarre so it kind of you know it 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 made me relax a little bit thinking that they their spirit was broken a little bit by that point as well you know they put so much into it and i thought to be fair to them they really did try their best to expose us and they, they played a bit of a numbers game. They got some massive players in the side, which I really didn't realise just the sheer height of the team, you know? So they, they they played to what is possibly our weaknesses and just rolled the dice and just put the ball in areas to try and actually capitalise on. So, you know, fair play to Rome. I thought their fans seemed fantastic. Harinda uh, got to be there so so jealous I, from what I've heard their fans have been brilliant it's, it's a very small percentage that have caused these problems and that then has led on to all of this over the top security but as you said at the end of the day mate it's we, we've got everyone back safe and we've come away with the win and we're in the bloody final yeah so it's, 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 it's absolutely amazing and I, I think I would echo your thoughts as well I think you, you, you could tell I mean regardless of the luck involved with some of the some of those parts of the game for Roma, I thought you could tell that that's a proud side full of a bunch of players who aren't willing to sort of really, really let go of it. And um, you, you look at the likes of De Rossi, he gave absolutely everything, whether it was enough. And Dzeko as well. I mean, I, I, was, I was seriously impressed with Dzeko and El Sharari. I mean, Harinda, from being there yourself, um, again, sort of being reluctant to be too analytical in times like this because it's, it's such a fantastic achievement. But it was a clear tactic, wasn't it, to, to target Trent and Lovren on that side. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it, it did was, seem to work. It was. But El Sh- uh, I mean, I think El Sharabi gave it absolutely everything for the first half. Yeah. And there's a period where they get where they get a corner when it's 2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably about five minutes after the, after that period. You know, and, and Roma are coming on strong. There's about, oh, I think five minutes of the half to go. They're goosed. I mean, literally, there's nothing left in their tank. Hands are on knees. They're down and heavy, gasping, breathing. Both Jekko and um, Al Sharawi. So for them to be able to produce that for that period of time destroyed them. Like literally, took everything out of them to be able to do that. God knows what they were having at half time. But trust me, I don't think it was anything legal to be able to come back out and have anything in regards to a performance yeah. for the second half. Because they were gone. They were gone. Absolutely gone. And I felt sorry for Trent because 
you could tell that the actual ploy here was yeah. the fact that our midfield and our attacking line should have been in front of them to be able to stop the balls going towards that point in time so that Roma couldn't overlap with anybody. But that wasn't happening. You know, it would always be Manu coming out a little bit later than everybody else that side or Salah or, you know, they were getting beaten. And that was just quite painful to watch for a little bit. And then, as I said, it went to 2-1 and everyone stopped giving a shit. Point blank, everyone stopped caring in the stadium in regards to what's going to happen next. Hi, right, cool. You know what? you got so many goals to score. Give it your best shot. It's all right. We're good. We'll just sit here and watch it. And they did. And Roma did. Credit where credit's due. Roma came out and gave it absolute best shot. And what, what can you say? You know what? You've got to give it to Roma. They gave it their absolute all. But in the end, Liverpool did what they needed to do. And they did most of it in the first leg. Very true. And then getting two two goals away, even with Junior Wijnaldum, who people think is a ghost <laughs> and disappears, was absolute quality. Yeah, love it that Junior managed to grab his first away goal for the club. His <laughs> first away goal, first, I think it might have been his first Champions League goal as well. Um, yeah, exceptional stuff there from from Wijnaldum, and, and and such a nice scrappy messy goal as well. I mean, I mean, one thing I wanted to mention that Herinda, I just wanted to ask whether it was particularly noticeable from being there itself was at times to me it seemed that you know Roma were being so direct um, and, and they have got some really great crosses of the ball as well I felt at times watching that that Van Dijk was was really a, a, a colossus back there in terms of sweeping things up was was that evident from being there as well? Yeah, it was. But both him and Carius were fantastic. Yeah, Carius. Yeah, and sure. I've heard of Carius getting quite a lot of drip from commentators, especially in the he UK. Claimed everything didn't he? for what though? For what though? You know what? There were times whereby a cross was coming in, and he would step in front of Jeko to catch the ball, like a Jeko's head height. Head is, you know, he's about to go in, um, a head height, and Carius is right there, and he's caught the ball dead. You know. He's grabbed it and got a hold of it. He's not flapped at it. He's not palmed at it. He's not sat there, mate, giving you Simon Mignolet type feelings of when he's going to come and get the ball or is he going to do anything. He actually holds the ball. And then he takes his time to do something. Ah, oh, it's fucking brilliant, man. You know what? You're in the middle of this match. You're thinking, waste time. Yeah, that's it. A good lad. Go on. Go on, Carrius. Waste a bit more time. Um, and Van Dyke is just, he's just a Rolls Royce of a defender, isn't he? There's nothing, there's, there's nothing more I could add to the analysis of Van Dyke that everybody else hasn't done already, either on the pro side yesterday um, or other times. Yeah, for you sure. Know, th- there's nothing more I can add. He's just amazing. I think you're he right to highlight Carrius, though, for sure, because I, I think in, in the ways in which he's been called out in the past, you know, coming for the balls and, and, and collecting it, which we know actually from looking at sort of his stats before he joined the club, I mean, that's the one thing he didn't like to do, and, he, and he's trying to do it more. And also, that, and then you got Andy Robertson sitting there thinking, yeah, "Fuck it, I'll run past everybody." That's the one. I don't care. Yeah. I, you, I'll run past you too. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, and you, and you, and then you know what? Sadia Mane from the front. <laughs> From the front, like picking up the ball in our half and then just going, oh, I'm going to saunter past you, I'm going to saunter past you, I'm going to leg it past you, I'm going to go past you. Oh, you're coming too? Okay, I'll take you out too. <laughs> what can you do to that? What and can it, you do to that? What a man. And then he slowed it down yeah, and, and at the right moments as well. He was brilliant. And do you know what? Credit where credit is due. Sadio Mane bursts past the security cordon to go towards Liverpool fans and that's what starts everyone else charging towards us as well. I think I put a video uh, in one of the WhatsApp I groups. Um, I'll release it on Twitter later as well for people. But I just don't want my Twitter to break. I don't think I can handle it anymore. <laughs> for once, in, once in my lifetime is enough. I don't need a second time on a second day. Um, Was that when he came out in his great... black shorts and black top as well? Yep. 
yeah. yeah. He's, he's got his he's got his sliders on. He literally just looks at this. He's talking to somebody. Then all his of a sudden, he comes there, charging he? through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was comes there. charging through, and everyone gets really excited. And then all the other Liverpool fans players think, "Well, he's done it. We might as well do it too." And then they all come across. Oh yes, this is this is what we wanted. Do you know what? We have a manager which engages with us. We have a team who in modern football times, when you think about how players are so aloof in regards to their fan base, are so aloof in regards to the game and the people that connect with it and that are looking for them to reach out, run towards us. We embrace that wholeheartedly. They embrace us wholeheartedly. What a match made in heaven, right? Absolutely. I mean, Sam, just just to bring you in there, I mean, I could have spent all day sort of watching those post-match celebrations. There seems to be sort of so many incredible little clips and snippets. I mean, Lovren's Instagram was an absolute delight last night. I tell you that much. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing in terms of some of the things that he was putting up and, and some of the live videos <laughs> from the dressing room and things like that. But, um, I mean, people took the piss, didn't they, when, when, when Klopp took the team in front of the cop uh, against West Brom to celebrate that 2-2 draw. Uh, obviously, you can talk about you know, context and scenarios and, and things are different, but the underlying sort of intention was there, wasn't it? You want to re-establish the bond between you know, the team and the fans in the city, have everybody on the same page. I thought last night really did exemplify that, didn't it? If you think about the squad that we've got, who we're about to face in, in Real Madrid and, and all, the, all that's at their disposal as well, we're only going to su- succeed if we're all together. And I thought, what did you make of that sort of, you know, the, the celebrations towards the end? Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely vital to a, a successful Jurgen Klopp team is, is the, the togetherness. And, you know, that's something that when the team is together and the fan base is together and they were all fighting in one direction, the the team can perform by far in excess of the sum of all of its parts. And I think that's something that we're finding. You know, we're definitely overachieving at the moment with our squad. Uh, you know, we've got some fantastic starting players, obviously, in the team. But it, it's taken some incredible work from Klopp, some incredible belief from the players. And when the chips are down and when you're under pressure and when the players are tired... It's that extra little bit of togetherness and motivation that gets the boys to just drag themselves through when it's hurting and when it's getting tough. So it was just so nice to see all those videos, as you said, of the players celebrating with the fans at the end. That's that's what it's about, you know. I absolutely love the video of Trent and Woodburn. Uh, just imagine being those yeah. guys right now. You know, what what are they, both 19? Uh, they're, they're both just stood there absolutely lapping it up, loving it. You know, Trent himself being from Liverpool as well. It's it's just the things that dreams are made of. You know, that's something that those boys uh, are never going to forget. And it's just something that you need to grab with both hands right now. There's a lot of... We're still finding negativity and I don't understand it. It's absolutely mental. You know, I can get us being frustrated that we let some goals in or whatever, but who cares? We're in the bloody final, guys. I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way than the way we've just done it. It's been absolutely scintillating stuff. You're not going to get a more entertaining team than this Liverpool team. So, you know, I would not swap this for anything else in the game. So let's just go into into the final against Madrid now and more of the same, please. And we got absolutely nothing to fear. No, absolutely. I, I, I think Harinda was, 
made a good point earlier on where he's talking about Roma giving it everything in that first half and then just being gassed afterwards as well. Um, obviously, they've got some older members of the side, but I was looking at Real Madrid's side and looking at the way in which they reacted to how Bayern played against them. Um, and both of those sides are, you know, getting on a bit. They, of course, they've got youngsters in there, but you know, their key players are you know, 33, 34, and you know, reaching the end of their careers. And I just wondered to myself, like, can they live physically with us? You know, after a two-week rest, can they live physically with us? I'd be very interested to see that. Obviously, quality-wise, they're, you know, they've got huge quality, but I think that's going to be a very interesting battle as well. But um, we'll, we'll come back around to the Champions League, guys, because I think it's, it's, it's impossible not to talk about it. But just to turn our attention back to Chelsea again for the weekend, We've spoken about what we need to do. It's a, it's a simple task here. Winning it would be you know, just sorting it. A draw course would be fan, would be fine as well. But you, know, you, you want it to be sorted so you can focus on other things. Brighton becomes a bit of a jolly. How do you think Klopp's going to approach this game then? Do you think it's going to be that one last, you know, you know, speaking to, to, to those guys in the dressing room, it's going to be a strong side? Or do you think we're going to be trying to trying to rotate if, if possible, Harinda? I think strong side and go on holiday when it comes to Brighton. Brighton may virtually be from next to a beach, because they are, and we'll go into the beach virtually at Liverpool. That's what I think. I think Chelsea is the one to go for, finish it, get it, let it be done. We beat a team that's in and around the top five, top six, that could be a competitor for us in regards to the top four, and and finish on a high, right? It's it's a great away day to win it. It's shit if you lose it. So I, I'm all in on going for the win. And then after that, rest everybody. <laughs> rest Klopp. Rest a lot of them, you know. Um, that Kravitz take over for the last match. Rest a lot of them, honestly, because when it comes to Real Madrid, they're going to be wily, they're going to be nasty, they're going to foul, they're going to cajole, they're going to be the epitome of Sergio Ramos throughout the team. Yep, absolutely. And whether a referee will be up for that or not, or bottle it in a final, who knows. I want Felix back because I want I want the German guy. <laughs> he was great. Oh, listen, okay, I'll get Casaragi out of retirement, man. At this rate, <laughs> give us Pierre Luigi. That that really upset Everton at the same time as well. If it hadn't have been for Kalina, that's his name, not Casaragi. Kalina, get give us Kalina. Come on, get him out of retirement. That'll get Everton going as well. Um, all joking aside, though, I think go strong, finish it when it comes to Chelsea and. Uh, it will just add to the higher this week, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think there's we've got the wave. We we may as well ride it whilst it's still there, and um, you know, just it, if we can just drain out a little bit more of that sort of top performance from, from from the big players, they'll know themselves as well. This is one last little push for them, and then they can rest and focus and mentally prepare for the Champions League final. So, and I think as you say there as well, there's going to be plenty to. You know, make sure we're aware of in terms of the wiliness and the wily side of the game, the the darker arts that Sergio Ramos, Pepe, before him, and his former partner Marcelo is very good at it. They're all excellent at it, and um, we need to be conscious of that. And, and, and when Henderson went down, um, you know, clutching his knee suddenly after a tackle during that game, I was delighted. I think we we should do that more. We should we should be wily um, in games like this. We we need to be uh, cynical when we can be as well. So. Um, and we've got the fast, tricky players for it as well. So I think I think hopefully we'll, we'll see more of that. So Sam, just same question to you. Do, do, would you think that Klopp's going to be, you know, very much of that mindset, strong team, you know, the same team, go out, do the job, and then we're done? Because even if you go for it, um, and perhaps you take a, a couple goals, you, know, you take the lead, but ended up drawing it, 
yeah, it's not the worst, you know, the worst case scenario. But if we were to rest players and perhaps take our foot off the gas a little bit, I don't think we're 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 prepared to play that game. If that makes sense. To be honest with you, mate, I'd I'd play the absolute first team in both of our remaining games. Uh, there's a hell of a long. There's a 13 day break between Brighton and the Champions League final, and if we played our full team against Chelsea and then just rested the boys against Brighton. We're going into the Champions League final with nearly like a three-week break without any football. And what we found sometimes with this Liverpool side is that momentum and and form is something that we need to build up into it. So, you know, a 13-day break maybe isn't optimal for us. So if you actually extend it to another week as well, that's not something really that I would want to do. So I, I'd imagine Klopp is going to go definitely for the Chelsea game, go absolutely full side that he can possibly put out there. You know, assess the boys now after the the game, see if their legs have got it in them. Any boys that can't make it, fair enough. But anyone who's fit for the game, based on previous evidence as well, Klopp will be putting out his absolute best side for this Chelsea game. And I'd imagine he's probably going to do the same for for the last game of the season as well. Uh, not only is it good for momentum and, and getting us playing as well as we possibly can, ready for the final, Salah's going to be desperate for this golden boot. You know, he's going to want to play. Uh, I just think it's something now, mate, we've got the wind in our sails. Let's utilise it. Let's play the same guys every game now. Let's get the full team out there. You know, obviously there's a chance of injury, but... When isn't there? You know, we're better off, in my opinion, just going for it now. Let's just try and win the last three games. Yeah, keep the rhythm up then, basically. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that that does make sense. And um, you you mentioned Salah there and and him wanting the golden boot. And I think he was even talking, was he post-match to to Jamie Carragher about maybe he'll get dropped for the final because he's not scored in two games. Uh, So it's clearly on his mind as well in terms of him. Yeah, he wants that record. He wants he wants all the records. He wants Champions League as well. So hopefully he can stay focused. Hopefully get a rest. I think he'll probably get a rest for Brighton. I, I I think anyway. But anyway, guys, just to come to wrap things up then on on the pod. So first of all, I want to get your prediction for um, the match this weekend. But then after that, just uh, I guess your 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 final thoughts as we sort of dream ahead to the Champions League final. So um, Sam, come to you first. Uh, right. Um, I think our recent evidence of matches after or before Champions League games hasn't been too good. Um, so, you know, I, I might be tempted to say that maybe we'd end up with a draw out of this one, but just the boys have got to be absolutely buzzing after that game. You know, there's a bit of pressure off now. We've made it to the final. There's it's no further we can possibly go. So hopefully... The boys now are just going to go into the game absolutely flying. There's no chance of us trying to be defensive or anything. So uh, if I'm going to have to do a prediction, I'd expect us maybe to concede a goal, but I'll go for a 2-1 win for the Reds, secure another season of this absolute madness for next season. And Harinda, how about you? 3-0. Fuck Chelsea. Yes. Very nice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Solid 3-0. <laughs> Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three-one. Salah scoring all of them, hat trick. But um, 
I just think they, they're going to score that goal they score with the Aspilicueta cross to, to Morata at one stage during the game. But yeah, let's see. Um, I think. I, I, and let's hope it's an own goal then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. It, 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 I think it's, I think as everyone's mentioned, we, we should still be on a high. We should still be focused for this game and um, yeah, just if we can exert a little bit more energy out of it, out of our legs. Um, in, You're a youth, Harry. I've got a question for you. What the heck is a break? A Brait. What is Brait? Oh, this, you're, this... you're talking about Salah uh, and... Um, uh, yeah, what's Brait? I'm calling Lover and a Brait. It's... <laughs> I have to admit... Is it uh, this brother-mate hybrid? I don't know. I think what's it's a Brait? Hybrid. Come on, guys. I think it's a hybrid of brother and mate, but I can tell you now, uh, I've n- I don't hear anyone use it. <laughs> I've never heard anyone use it, so perhaps it's their own sort of private joke within the change room, because I... Yeah, I mean, you can search for it, but there's there's, there's not much on it. I think it is that, that mixture, like you're saying brother and mate but that's one of the weirdest bromances um just fascinating <laughs> fascinating bromance so it really is between Salah and um and Lovren but um yeah I mean hopefully the breaks can do it one more time yeah or three more times preferably but um guys and just just to finish things off I guess just yeah Champions League dreams uh Harinda it's the it's, it's an obvious dream I guess but what are you expecting I'm expecting to, uh, listen I'm consistent if anything I expect Ronaldo to cry. I don't mean tears of joy. <laughs> I want to see him cry like John Terry, weep into his greasy skin oh. and that strange <laughs> hairstyle that he's got. And I don't care. You know what? I genuinely am tired of Real Madrid and anything yeah. and everything in regards to they, what they bring and Everyone should how be they tired act. And, and this whole stupid 13 numpty t-shirt that they were wearing. Do you know what, guys? You haven't won it yet. You haven't won it yet. So be as arrogant, as cocky as you want. I just hope Liverpool go there, remain humble and remain the team that we all love and just do the business. Destroy them. Absolutely. I want, I want Real Madrid's like, chief scout, whoever he is, just to be like, questioning from the stadium, who's this, who's this Scottish fullback who's just blasted past three of our, three of our defenders? I mean... Who's this Lovren? <laughs> who, who's this Lovren? <laughs> who's this James Milner who sort of loses height as he dribbles past Tony Cruz? Um, and why has that goalkeeper got a ponytail and is good? Because when Kaylor Navas had a ponytail, <laughs> he was shit. That's true, yeah. If, if, if only Bobby, I mean, he, he doesn't need it, but if only Bobby could grow that ponytail back as well. Um, Sam, what are you expecting then? I'm, I'm really hoping, mate, it's going to be for the number 13, it's going to be unlucky for them. And really... Klopp it seems so confident. I don't know if you saw him in the post-match uh, interview. He just yeah, seems we'll so calm fire. about it, yeah. and he just said, "Yeah, we're going to be going into it. We're, we're going to be on fire." And I think he he's got a plan, and he's just going to be slowly building and building for that final. Now I think everything they're going to be doing is just going to be gearing the boys up in order for us to be absolutely in top nick for that final. Um, I think we saw the benefits of a little break for Mane just a week um, in order for him to play really well yesterday and maybe the other boys seemed a bit leggy. Um, There's no excuse for that in the final. We're going to be absolutely flying into that game and I think we're going to bring home number six. Fantastic. Yeah, I think completely echo both your thoughts it's 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 time to dream obviously and um you know, i've been doing these premier league preview shows and you know, this is the penultimate one so th- this is going to take obviously uh, a side stage now and, and the main the main attraction is 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 the champions league final of course um we want to be there next year again but um yeah it's time to dream and um hopefully a magical night in kiev where we can sort of yeah 
claim that number six. So thanks ever so much, guys, for coming on and helping me preview the game. Um, and uh, to all those who listened, thank you so much again. We'll, we'll be back one more time before the end of the season, hopefully to talk about an absolute jolly in Brighton um, and then look ahead, I guess, to to the biggest of nights uh, for Liverpool Football Club. So thanks to everyone for listening and uh, we'll, be, we'll be back again soon. Podcast Network.